Well, Happy New Year, everybody. So glad that you uh, are able to join us. And those of you who are online, I'm glad that you're able to join us as, as well. If this is your first time here, or even if you've been here before, welcome to Thrive Church. My name is David. I serve on the pastoral staff, and I'm thrilled that you're with us. And my prayer, like every week, is that you find something meaningful, because we do believe that God has something meaningful for us every single day, uh, Sundays notwithstanding. So um, today... Uh, I want to talk about something that I do basically every year at this time, um, because it is that time of year where we begin to think about new things, right? It's a new year, and aren't you glad to see 2020 go out the door, right? Bye-bye, don't let the door hit you on the way out, kind of a thing. Um, kind of, we had one of those relaxing um, uh, weekends, that we've not had in a long time. It was really quite nice. But one of the things that my wife and I did is we got a chance to, to sit down and kind of talk about, you know, what, what do we want this next year to be like? What are some of the things that we want to, to uh, accomplish together and as a family? And at the same time, though, um, there are all these things that we want, want to do, but part of that discussion for us included what did we want spiritually? What do we want discipleship-wise? Um, we were able to talk about that a little bit. And um, at, at Thrive, what we're attempting to do is to take this idea of discipleship seriously, and we're constantly looking for ways to be more effective in our discipleship. And here's what I mean by that. W discipleship really is about becoming like Jesus and getting closer to God. And so we're looking for ways to do that, if that makes sense. And um, there's lots of different ways. But <clears throat> I really think that when we become serious about our discipleship and when we um, get serious about connecting with God, being in his presence, that's where the kingdom of God begins. And, and for a long time, I've, I've kind of wrestled with this just internally um, because I think sometimes we think the kingdom of God is, uh, is just a social justice issue. And it is. It is a social justice issue. But the fact of the matter is, is social justice starts in the heart. And we've got to be in a position where we're being changed by the Holy Spirit in such a way that, that it begins to reflect outwards. And so anything that we can do to be in the presence of God, to hear his heart and to understand him, becomes more and more important as we begin to, to try to wrap our minds around this idea of the kingdom of God and what it means to, to be part of the project of bringing heaven back down to earth. And so we use this simple diagram, looks like this. <clears throat> You've seen this before. I keep bringing it up because I think it's an incredibly useful tool. It's a, it's a triangle. And uh, in the bottom part, you have uh, yourself. By the way, if you have a handout, there's a handout. Um, if you don't have one, you might want to pull it out. Uh, you can label some of these things. Those of you who are watching online, uh, if it's not already available online, it will be later today. So we'll have that handout available to you for you can print out if you want. But this, this triangle is, is so useful because in the bottom part, you have yourself and you have God. And then you have your life kind of up at the top. And let me see if I can try to explain this just a little bit. The bottom part of this triangle, when you're trying to connect with God, is really your calling. Sometimes we, we talk about this idea of being called into ministry um, my general thought is, is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are called into some type of ministry because we are a body 
and your ministry may look different than mine, and that's okay, but everybody is called to relationship with God, and out of that flows some type of ministry. Does this make sense? So let's, uh, let's be a little more precise with our understanding of calling. Everybody is called. Everybody is called to be in relationship with God. And in that calling, something truly extraordinary happens. We are um, anointed, or if you prefer, empowered to actually live the life that God created us for. And this is an important thing to, to remember, that it, it's not us doing this on our own. This really is about God empowering us, because here's the thing, if God is the creator, and he has created you for something, and so we want you to be all that God has created you to be, if that makes sense. And that life, that life that he created, that, that idea in his mind, is what you're going to find that's truly fulfilling. You're not going to necessarily find it an achievement. You may get some, you know, warm fuzzies out of that. That's okay. You're not going to find it in any specific relationship with another human being. You know, um, you complete me makes for, you know, great movie drama, makes for really bad relationships, <laughs> okay? Because no human being can ever complete you. Only Jesus can do that. And so this idea of, of being called and empowered to live the life that God has in mind for you is really the essence of discipleship. And I think it's the beginning, beginning of the kingdom of God. So God calls us into relationship with him, and through him we're empowered to live that life. And, um, and here's a pro tip for you. I, I want you to hear this, because I'm still trying to get my mind around this. <laughs> God wants you to have a fulfilling life. In fact, God wants you to have a fulfilling life more than you want it. Let that sink in for a second. God wants you to have a fulfilling life. In fact, he wants, to ha wants you to have it more than you do because he understands how he created you and all of those little details and you know, those little quirks that your, your spouse talks about. All of those things are wrapped up in this person that's you that God loves deeply and says, oh, I have got so many great ideas for you. I can hardly wait for you to see all of the things that I have in store. It's an important thing. But he wants it more than, than you do. But, but see, there's a problem with all of this, isn't there? There's a problem with this idea of discipleship, um, this idea of getting closer to God, because there are certain things that get in our way. Like, number one, you, distractions. Hello, right? There's bills to pay. There's kids to get to places. I have this sum total of all human knowledge in the palm of my hand called a cell phone. And have you noticed that your neck starts hurting after a while because you've been doing this all day? Here's where I've noticed it. It's in my elbow. I, I, I kid you not, there's actually a name for this condition. It's called golfer's elbow. But you can get it from looking at your cell phone a certain way. That's just nuts. But we've got this thing in our hand that, oh, I don't have anything else to do. I might as well just scroll through things on my phone. And, and we get distracted by that kind of thing. The other thing that gets in the way are past experiences. 
we've tried Bible studies and we've tried reading books in the past and we fell off the wagon for whatever reason. It's like, oh, it didn't work or it wasn't engaging or those other distractions got in my way. And so why even start, right? Why even bother? Mm. And then the other piece of the puzzle, if we're completely honest, is with this inner dialogue that keeps reminding us of our inadequacies long list of stuff that I need to work on and there's guilt and there's shame and I don't get to any of them and why even try? Or maybe sometimes we don't even see the benefit of all of it. We don't see the need to do any more than just show up at church on Sunday. Well, you know, I'm showing up at church. Pastor Dan's getting me in the spirit. It's good. It's all good. It was good today, wasn't it? Man, it's awesome. And you, you think that that's enough to kind of feel you for the rest of the week. And okay, you know, I, I, I can see that's a great place to start, but maybe there's some more benefit to following Jesus like Monday through Saturday too. And I think the biggest hurdle that we all face when it comes to actually engaging with God a little bit deeper, when we actually try to dream with God, the biggest hurdle is that we just don't know where to start. Where do I start? God's so big and he's got so many good things for us. Where do I even begin t- to do this? And, and, and there's probably this part of you that's, that is you know, even saying in your mind, hey, I love the triangle. What a great visual. That's really, really helpful. But how? Or better yet, <laughs> what do I do first? What do I do, what do, I do first? How, where's, where's that on the triangle? David, give that to me. Well, we're going to get some help from a new, new, new Testament writer named Paul. And uh, I want you to see this because um, I think this is going to move us in a, in a new direction. Um, he wrote a letter to a church gathered in a city called Philippi. And so we're going to be in the book of Philippians, chapter 3. If you want to turn there, that'd be great. Otherwise, I'll have it on the screen for you. You can see this. And he writes this very simply. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. (laughs) That one's a little hard to get get your mind around. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Here's the thing, though. You have to understand. Let's talk about the suffering thing because that's the hard word to get over here. I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Look, life is suffering. You can either suffer without Jesus or suffer with Jesus. I know which one I would rather do. You with me? Life is suffering. If you haven't figured that out yet, just wait. Because it'll happen. But to know Christ and the power of his resurrection are the things that get you through those moments of suffering. And somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. The most basic understanding of being a follower or a disciple of Jesus is knowing Jesus, just knowing him. It's not just knowing about him or having some basic knowledge of him as a historical figure or even as a good teacher, Um, but it's really knowing him. It's experiencing Jesus in our daily life as if he were still alive because he is. And he's able to interact with each one of us. And so consequently... Uh, we want to f- 
kind of follow this idea. We want to know Christ. We want to know Jesus. That's the most basic understanding. That's the importance of the bottom of the triangle. It's me and God in that kind of a relationship. Now, next verse. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And this is important because I think he admits, confesses, that like us, he's not where he wants to be yet. So put this in perspective. This is the guy who wrote the vast majority of the New Testament, and he's saying, I've not obtained it yet. The guy's seen miracles, shipwrecks, survived all of it. Um, assassination attempts, survived all of it. I, I mean, just go down through the list. You look through the history and the life of Paul, my goodness. And he's saying, hey, by the way, I'm not there yet. I'm not where I want to be. So if you don't feel like you're there yet, y'all are in good company, okay? Keep that in mind. And he admits it. He's not, he's not attained that yet. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And I, I, really, I really like this, this part, and I'm, I'm so glad that he wrote this, <laughs> because I, I see this all the time. He says right now, he's forgetting what is behind. Look, here's the thing. Your past can hold you back. There is stuff in your life that you are not proud of. We all have that. It's part of the human condition. I know that with empirical certainty. That I could go and do a poll, and if you were completely honest, you've got stuff, right? We all do. Every one of us does. But your past may shape you, but it does not define you. That does not define who you are. It shapes who you are, of course. If you've been in a bad relationship, you're going to have difficulty connecting your next one, right? That, that will shape you, but it doesn't define you. It doesn't make you unlovable. It doesn't make you somehow um, unworthy of, of having some type of relationship with someone. So, and, and I see this time and time again. Things that have happened in our past uh, skew us or throw us off or or give us a warped sense of who we are now and who we can be. Look, Paul's telling us, forget about all that. I know it's easier said than done. I get that. You might need some help. You might need some counseling. But it does not define you. It doesn't have to unless you let it. And then he tells us to, the, to press on. I forget about that, but I press on. I keep going forward. Don't lose heart. Keep going. Keep on keeping on. Do whatever it takes for you. Find community of people who are going to love and support you, that are going to pray you through it, who are going to give you those words of encouragement. And by the way, church, one of the greatest ministries, if you are called to be a disciple, one of the greatest ministries that you can have, that everybody can do, is just to encourage someone else. Don't miss the importance of that little tiny act that little word that you just say, you know, you know what, you've got this. I know it's hard, but I, I believe that you're going to be okay. And I believe that God still loves you and he's going to work with you through that. Do you know how, look, it costs you nothing to say that. 
Now, don't say it if you don't believe it, but if you actually believe that, that God is present, that his Holy Spirit is there, encourage somebody with that. That's ministry. Because we all need that type of thing. Quick reminder, God is still on the throne and he still cares about you. That's a big deal. The more you say that, the more those encouraging words come out of your mouth. My goodness. I, if that isn't the kingdom of God, I don't know what it is. So don't lose heart. Keep moving forward. Be encouraging to other people. Allow other people to encourage you. So forget about things that are holding you back and press on. Keep on. But also, did you notice in verse 13, he says, but one thing I do, one thing I do. Yes, he's forgetting, but he presses on. One thing. Not three things, not 15 things, one thing. I think that's one of the biggest problems that we all have is we try to do too much. Bite off more than we can chew. You know, choose your phrase, choose your, your euphemism, whatever it happens to be, we all try to do too much. And Paul's saying one thing, one thing that I do. Paul is talking about focus here. Now, the truth of the matter is, <clears throat> we inherently know this. I, I really do think that it's something in the human condition that we know that there are things that need to be different, that things that need to change, we all know this, and we attempt to do them, actually. Um, we, we try to sort those things out each and every year. We call them New Year's resolutions, right? And if you think about it, <clears throat> it's pretty simple. Uh, the first thing we try to do is we try to eliminate something negative, right? <laughs> we try to get, we want to lose weight. We want to quit smoking. We want to get out of a toxic relationship. We want to try to leave a, a job, whatever it happens to be. We're trying to eliminate something that's negative. The other thing we try to do is we try to gain something positive. I would like to make more money this year. I would like to be more healthy this year. Whatever it happens to be, there's, there's a whole litany of things. And, and if you go on YouTube or if you go on Facebook, everybody's got a list. You know, here's the top 10 New Year's resolutions, whatever it is. And the point is, is that we, we do these things because we know that we want something to be different in our lives. And typically, very typically, um, it lasts maybe 30 days, maybe 60 days if you're lucky. And it doesn't necessarily, you know, go anywhere. But the truth of, of the matter is, if we really think about this stuff, and, and I want to I be careful because I don't want to make too much of a blanket statement, but I, I think this is true. The reality is, is that those are attempts, eliminating and gaining, eliminating negative, gaining something positive, those two things are really our attempt at climbing up the left side of the triangle on our own. I'm not saying they're bad. You may need to quit smoking and lose weight and get a new job and get out of toxic relationships, whatever it happens to be. You may need to do those things. But what I'm suggesting here is, are you going to do it on your own power? Because crawling up the left side of the triangle is really, really difficult. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'm just going to say it's very difficult to do. And here's the, here's the thing. Oh, if God loves us and has our best interest at heart, start there. If God loves us and does really have our best interest at heart, 
maybe he's got an idea of where you can put your focus. Maybe he's got an idea of where you need to pay attention because the thing that you think is holding you back isn't really the thing. But he's got something in mind. And if he wants you to have a fulfilling life and he wants it more than you do, maybe he's got an idea on how to get there. Does that make sense? Maybe he's got an idea on the path that you should take or the things that you should work on or focus on, whatever it happens to be. And so what I want to do today is I want to offer you one way to help you focus on one thing and begin to dream with God and just say, God, what do you, what do you want to do this year? What's on your mind? If, if you really want me to have a fulfilling life, you, if you really have my best interests at heart, where, where should we start? God, where can we do this together? How, how do we? That's what I want, want you to do. And so, um, in your outline on the opposite side, uh, kind of walk you through this. There's a little fill in the blank if you want to do it. Um, some of you have seen this before. But it's, it's a really helpful tool. <clears throat> step by step, here's step one. First thing you need to do is to select a theme. I got a list of themes there for you to look at on the, on the uh, handout. But here's the thing, it's not exhaustive <laughs> by any stretch, it's just not something to kind of get your mind thinking about things. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. So here's how you're going to do it. Here's how you select a theme. First, first thing that you do as you, in the process is you need to pray about this, <laughs> okay? So let's start with God if we're going to ask God, right? Let's start with him. And um, what you're, what you're going to do is you're going you're to thank God for wanting this more than you do. You're going to thank him. God, if this is true, then I'm going to thank you in advance. And then secondly, ask him to reveal what he has in mind. Lord, what is it that you want? And then what I would do is um, suggest that you read the list. Just read through the list. And, and what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't just skim over it with your finger. I mean, actually read the words. And if you're by yourself, read them out loud. And figure out which one jumps out at, at you. Most of the time, I would say probably 80% or more, one of those words is just going to pop. Some of you, as soon as I started talking about a theme for the year, already had a word or phrase pop into your head. You know what it is already. That's not uncommon. You, you know what it is. <clears throat> and that word, it may be a word, it may be a phrase, but use the word as kind of a jumping off point. Read through that. Just read through the list. And then when that word comes to you, you must, don't miss the step, you must write it down somewhere. I don't care if it's a sticky note. You can write it on your hand with a Sharpie, whatever it is. <laughs> do what you got to do. You be you, right? But write it down. Figure out what that word is, write it down. And then uh, my my first suggestion is to go to a dictionary and go look it up. Make sure you understand what that word really means. Next, I would go and grab a thesaurus. You can do this online, by the way. 
um, make your phone useful for your discipleship, not just as a point of distraction. Um, look it up in a thesaurus. Find out other words that mean roughly the same thing, and you create what's called a semantic field. And when you do that, you get a sense of what God is really trying to get at with this particular word. So write it down, and then go look it up. And then here's a really novel thought. Go look it up in the Bible, because it might actually be there. And try to get a sense uh, if not that specific word, but from your semantic field, you might be able to find another word that is in the scriptures. And try to find those verses. And if you need a resource to do that, you can contact us. Just a very simple concordance or a Bible dictionary typically does, does that for you. Uh, nowadays, I think you can go to biblegateway.com and just do a word search, and it'll pop up for you. So easy with technology. So keep that in mind. Now, I want to make one caution here before I get too far down the road. Here's the caution. In my experience, the Holy Spirit's going to highlight one, possibly two, on very rare occasion, three words. And I know that a lot of you, when you are looking through that list, because of certain issues from your past, your, your own sense of inadequacies and whatnot, you're going to look at that list and you're going to go, man, I've got to work on every single one of these. Or you're going to have a list of about 37 long. <laughs> okay, listen to me. Listen. That's not from God. Ever. God is not a God of confusion. He's a God of order and he's a God of love and he's not going to overwhelm you with nonsense that you don't need to pay attention to right now. One possibly two, and on rare occasion, three words. And if you end up with that list of, you know, 15 or 20, then you take that list and you go before the Lord and you say, Lord, which one out of, out of this? Because I think this is what I need to do. And God's going to say, well, that's great. Here's the one I want you to work on. And it's fine if you do that. But please understand, 15 ain't from God. Don't let the enemy, and I think this is one of the tools the enemy does very often, is he thinks that you've got to deal with everything all at once. Total lie, you don't. Clear off the work surface, take one thing at a time. I don't multitask well, just ask my wife, so I don't anymore. I'm at that point now where I get, I get grumpy if I have to deal with more than one, like two things at a time because my brain capacity can't handle it. And largely, it came from this exercise understanding that I can't do two, you know, more than two, possibly three. Fortunately, the Lord understands me and usually gives me one every year, okay? <clears throat> Last year it's been two, but that's okay. Apparently I can handle that and I'm thankful for it, okay? So, um, if your list is too long, you need more prayer. That's the prescription for here. So, First, select a theme. Second is you need to build some routines around this. You've got to keep that word in front of you. And uh, probably around July or so, we're going to come back and we're going to do a review and we're going to ask everybody, so how'd you do? How'd you do? Or how are you continuing to work on your theme for the year? What did God tell you in January or December? And what's he telling you now in June or July? How's he speaking to you about that? Because remember, we're at the bottom part of this triangle here. We presume that God actually speaks to us. That God is actually trying to do something in your life around this theme. That's why he pointed it out to you in the first place. 
right? So you gotta build some routines around it. Um, and by the way, this is probably the main reason why most people forget. I know it's, it's, it has been for me. Gotta keep in front of you. Write it down on a sticky note, put it in your car, stick it on your computer at work. The one thing, everyone's heard me say this before, I take a dry erase market, I have a lot of them, dry erase marker, and I, and I write it on my bathroom mirror so that when I get out of the shower and everything's all steamy, I can actually see it. So do what works for you, but find a way. Put an alarm on your phone at some obscure time of day and when that alarm goes off, and I know you can label it, I know you can do that, put on the label your word. Just something to keep this thing in front of you all the time. And when you're, when you're going through that process and the alarm goes off or you see the word, just say, hey God, what are we doing with this right now? Interrupt the distraction. You have a habit of being distracted, interrupt it. And find a way to get that theme in front of you because God chose it for a reason. And he wants you to have a fulfilling life. And what he's telling you is, hey, if you want that fulfilling life, this is the thing we're going to work on right now. Cool. You want a burning bush moment? This is it. <laughs> okay? I'm telling you, this is a very easy way of doing this. Um, the other thing you can do, and I know some of you are going to bristle at this, but journal about it. Or sketch about it. I don't know. Choose your word. You don't like the word journaling? Notebook, diary, I don't care. Whatever it happens to be. Write that bad boy down and keep it in there and say, hey, God, what do you want to do with this today? And if God doesn't speak to you about it that day, great. You have tomorrow. You can ask him the same question. What's it say? Ask, seek, knock, right? Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Eventually, the Lord's going to wear down and he's going to He's going to help you with that one word. He chose it. He wants it more than you do. So revisit it. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. So build some routines around it. Third is to form a team. Select a theme, build routines, form a theme, or form a team. It's the danger of having everything rhyme. So form a team. Hey, who, who will encourage you? Remember we were just talking about encouragement? There are some people who are just naturally gifted at this. You know who they are. I know you know who they are. Um, but you, you know some people who are like this. They're just naturally gifted at this kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and tell them about it. I'm like, hey, I got this theme that I'm working on. And uh, just kind of like telling a small group of people to kind of check in with me about it. And if, if they're that encouraging type, they'll do that. They'll do that for you. Um, it'll happen. The other thing to do is to ask people to pray for you about, about your theme. But I want to give you a little coaching on this one because I think this is really important. Um, <clears throat> there's different types of prayer for different types of things. There are some people who are just naturally good at, they keep praying the same prayer over and over again until you tell them to stop. But the vast majority of people don't operate that way. And so what I try to do is if I'm asking somebody to pray for me over something like this, I, I kind of put some parameters around it. Here's what I mean. Hey, I've got this theme in, that I'm working on this year. I really think this is what, what God is asking me to do. This week, would you pray for me one time? That's it. One, you need the prayer support, but number two, that person needs to have a time horizon. 
Because if, if it's kind of an open-ended thing, there's a good chance they won't do it at all. And for me personally, when somebody asks me to pray for something like that, I prefer to do it right there on the spot because it's fresh in my mind and I don't want to forget. I want to pray for that person. Hey, let's pray about that right now. And fortunately, um, well, from time to time, I should say, um, the Holy Spirit will prompt me to pray for that again. But at least I did it the one time when they asked me to do it. So give people some parameters around their prayers, okay? Hey, this time would you, would you, uh, would you pray? Oh, and by the way, oh, oh, listen to this. Oh, you gotta hear this. This is important, ready? If somebody asks you to pray for them and their theme, please take them up on it. Take them up on it. Like, oh, I don't know, I'm not so good about praying out there, you know, uh, on the spot. And like, That's fine. Just say, yes, once this week, I will definitely pray for you. And then do it. But take them up on the prayer. Say yes to those, those kinds of prayers. And here's the reason why. You're blessing them when you say yes. You are important enough to me for me to say yes to praying for you. Do you see that? Do you have any idea how encouraging that is? Yes, you do, because you love it when people say, yes, I will pray for you. Share the love, baby, right? Don't, don't steal, don't, don't deny yourself the blessing of blessing someone else in that prayer. Finally, you need to watch the time. <clears throat> Because these themes have a shelf life. Um, sometimes they last longer than a year. Because we talk about this idea of theme for the year. Um, that's why I'm trying to get away from that idea of theme for the year. I'm really trying to focus on this idea of dreaming with God just in my own life. Uh, because the, the word that I had at the beginning of last year kind of morphed over a period of time. And now it's a small phrase. And it's clearly continuing into this next year for me. And so what'll happen is you, you, you kind of have, um, uh, I would, it's almost like a bell-shaped curve a little bit where you have kind of a peak where God's working on stuff with you and then it kind of ebbs, ebbs and flows a little bit. But very often, um, as the first theme or idea is beginning to fade, God will have another one for you. May or may not be related, but you need to watch the time. You might figure this out in three months. Or you might have <laughs> completed phase one <laughs> of your journey and the Lord says, we're going to leave that for a while and we're going to come back to it. That happens very often. So it may, um, may be the same as last year uh, or it might be more specific. That often happens where you have a general idea, but as this goes along, God begins to narrow it for you so that you understand it better. Keep that in mind. So watch the time. <clears throat> Look, here's the thing. There are lots of discipleship tools out there. There's tons of them. Just go online, <laughs> Google search. Um, you can find discipleship um, tools and resources. But my, here's my point, and this is the thing you need to hear. Use one of them. And if you're not gonna use this one, here's my question. So which one are you gonna use? Because my interest is not in necessarily you doing this particular one, but that you're doing something. How are you going to be different on December 31st, 2021 than you were on January 1st, 2021? 
And, and how are you going to, to be that way in your relationship with God? And, and discipleship is really ultimately about learning to how to, to, to listen and respond to what God is saying. That's our fundamental definition of discipleship. People who listen to God and respond to the things that they hear. And that doesn't happen magically. Right? And by the way, here's the other thing. If you've never heard this before. Discipleship has a cost. We get faith and we get salvation as a free gift, but to learn to follow Jesus has a cost associated with, with it. And the, the question is, are you willing to pay the price? And in our discipleship, it's going to require some time, some attention, some self-reflection, maybe some money, but there's a cost to it. You might have to give up some things that you're pretty comfortable with right now. <laughs> and I'm not talking about your life or your lifestyle, but you may have some identity issues. And God's poking and prodding at those things that you've been carrying around for so long. And aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of carrying that crap around? And God's telling you, you don't need that anymore. That too is the price of discipleship. Because it's true that he loves you and that you are lovable. Gee, it got quiet in here. There's a cost with discipleship. And by the way, if you tried this last year and didn't stick with it, try it again. <laughs> Keep going. Get back in the saddle. God didn't change how he felt about you. If you've got this theme and you drop the ball and you're like, I don't even remember what my theme was for last year. God didn't change how much he loves you. He's saying, okay, let's keep going. Let's keep on with it. Shame keeps you from getting back into it. And by the way, Jesus broke shame too. So don't worry about it. Get back in the saddle. Try again. You don't have to be afraid of God. Don't have to be afraid of him. And so before Christmas, we talked about asking the second and third question. Remember that? We were talking about discipleship, and sometimes you've got to ask the second and third question. And so once you've taken your first four steps, select a theme, build routines, form a team, watch the time, once you've done those four things, and you have your theme, one of the great questions you can ask God to get you started, because you wanted to know how you got started, right? Here's how you start. God, why this theme? Why are you choosing this one? Maybe you already know why. Here's another great question. Why are we doing this now, God? Why are you highlighting this one now? Because I've got all of this junk that I need to deal with and you're choosing this one? That's not even in my top five. Why are you choosing this one now? Great question. And then finally, the, another great question to ask God is, Lord, where do you want me to start? Where do you want me to start? And then listen, see how he responds. And keep asking and keep listening. That's called dialogue. There's a reason why he highlighted it for you. 
And God wants it for you more than you do. More. There's a reason why he highlighted it, and he wants that for you desperately. So when you get a chance at the beginning of the year to dream about this with him and say, God, what does this look like? Where, where are we going with this? What, what is it that you have in mind? And is it a little scary? Yes, because there's a price to pay. But it's also very, very exciting. I learned this just recently. thought it just crossed my mind. The physical responses to excitement and um, apprehension are very, very similar. Your brain actually doesn't know the difference. So when people get up to like, you know, speak in front of an audience, one of the things that they say is, you have to tell yourself, I'm excited, I'm excited, I'm excited. Not that, you know, oh, I'm so nervous. No, 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 you gotta, you gotta frame it in the right way. It's the same thing when you embark on a journey with Jesus, is that it's exciting. And you say, oh boy, God's up to something here. And what a great story it's gonna be to tell. So dream with God. Let's pray. Lord, you're so good to us. You're so good to us. You brought us through 2020. You brought us through. And yet, we know that there's pain and there was suffering and it wasn't the most pleasant of experiences, but the fact of the matter is we are all here. We're watching online and, or we're sitting here in the auditorium and you brought us through. Thank you for being so good to us. And Lord, as we begin this new year, what do you want to do with it? What do you want to do in 2021? How do you want to shape us to be more like Jesus? Where, where is it that you're going? How do you want to put this together? Lord, I just declare over um, everyone who's watching that you are good, that you... <clears throat> have our best interest at heart, that you know what, what we need most and what's best for us. And God, that you want that for us more than we ever could. And so, Lord, I declare that over this, this assembly and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to begin to speak to people individually as you see fit, to, to begin to, to guide them, to empower them to listen and respond and to see the life change that you, you have in mind for them. Lord, I pray that this year would be different than last year and that whatever has happened in anyone's past who's listening to me now, that they would forget about it and press on for what you have for them in this new year. Your love has not changed for them. You love them totally and completely. You want this for them and you can't wait to get started. And so, Lord, be with us now as we sing. And we're reminded that um, no matter how many times we come back to you, you are always there and that you're always wanting to connect with us. And I'm grateful. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.